As a young child, Rowley Habib, who also goes by Rore Hapipi, grew up with no books in the home. It was comic books, in fact, that would be his first early memories of literature. He was encouraged to write as a teenager at Teote College, and at 20, whilst at Teachers Training College, he won an award for one of his short stories. It could be said that from then it was written in the stars. In between holding down manual jobs, Rore would take up writing later on in his life. In 2013, he talked about his career. Now, as a child, were you a big reader? No, we didn't have many books. Um, luckily, I had um, older, older brothers and older sisters, and that went off to, a couple of them went off to Hukurere, Hukurere College, and they came back with books. Otherwise, books were, you know, the, the house was pretty devoid of books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, only comics, comics, heaps of comics from my older. Uh, um, I was one of the younger siblings, so I had several older siblings, and um, so they brought the comics and whatever literature was in the house. So then, how did you, um, how did you come to writing? Was did it all start at Teoti? I, I had uh, it was recognised that I had a um, a gift to write there, but uh, no, I had no intention of being a writer there. What did you want to be? I just all I didn't know what I wanted to be. I knew what I didn't want to be, and I didn't want to end up in the timber mill or in the, in the bush as a bushman because I saw what it did to my uncles and my older cousins. Um, you know, turned them into old men before their time because of the heavy work. That's all, and I was just avoiding that, and so I, I stayed on. I stayed on at school, yeah, and um, sort of drifted into teachers' college. Ardmore Teachers College, which no longer oh, exists, of course. And um, that's where I, I was first introduced uh, to literature as an as kind of adult, without without being forced there down me. We, we were just told about these writers and, 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 and writing without having to write any exams about them. It was just literature appreciation, and I... I thought, that's me, that's me, mm. that's what I want to be, a writer. I was about what, 19, mm. and that's all I've wanted to be ever since. Yeah. And so was it as easy as getting a pen and paper and just writing, 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 or was it just... That, that part was easy, was, was making a living from it, was the hard part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I know, I think in those days, I, um, I don't, don't think there were any writers... I'm talking about the um, mid-1950s. Yes. I don't think there was any writer that really believed they could make a, a living from writing. You know, we had to work, and there was plenty of work at the time. Um, you know, you could leave one factory, walk across the road and get another. Bit. So that earning money wasn't, uh, wasn't a problem. It was just finding the time to write, yeah. Mm. Um, because most jobs held you down for eight hours of the day and... Most of my life I've been a, a manual worker, yeah. And it was partly de deliberate. In those days, I don't know, you know, you wanted to roll your sleeves up and get out and work in the, in the mills and the coal mine and things like that and learn about um, the real life, I suppose. Yeah. That's what we thought was real life anyway, was out there working with uh, working people, yeah, find out about them and write about them. 
Yeah, I worked on, on, on a lot of jobs, a um, lot of experience, a lot of material. Fast forward to 1979, uh, you were the first Māori to write an original drama for TV, The Gathering. How did, yeah. how did that story gather momentum? Well, um, it's a guy, Tony Isaac, who was a producer in television, and um, he had a one-hour slot and on, on TV, and he wanted to to do a, a Maori play, I think. Or so he went to the. He told me he went to the library and he was looking through Te Aho, the the, oh, yes. the copies, looking for Maori writers. You know, and he looked at all of the other writers, and and he came across my writing. He didn't know me. I didn't know. And he said, "This is the guy." After you read my stories and, and what they, this is the guy I want to write the play because he felt. That I that I hit harder than the others. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't try to whitewash anything. You know? Right. Yeah. So, uh, well, I happened to be in Australia at the time, and when I arrived, I was staying with Jim Jim Moriarty, the actor, and uh, he, you know, he said, "Oh, there's a producer at uh, television been trying to get hold of you for weeks," and uh, you know, phone him up. So I phoned phoned up television, and uh, he told me what he wanted. So we got working on this script called The Gathering. Yeah. I mean, when you see your writing acted out in a play, is that satisfying? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey. Oh, sure. Your words are coming to life yeah, in yeah. a sense. Because, uh, you know, the writer, you're on your own and you're creating these characters. And, uh, yeah, you mm. know, and then suddenly it's out there in the public arena and, mm. And um, some very good actors. Uh. But uh, talking about uh, the playwright, uh, Bruce Mason, who used to, um, used to edit Tahoe in the, early right. 19, in the early 1960s, um, he told me then, he said, why, why don't you consider writing uh, plays because you've got a good ear for dialogue. And, you know, that was 1952, 62, and I never... St started writing my first play till about 1972 or something. Yeah, 10 years or even later than that, about 1974, before I tried writing my first play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your perspective on Māori drama today and how it's progressed over the last, what, three, four decades since kind of you've been doing it? Yeah, well, I'm, no, you know, I'm quite in awe of the talent out there now. Um, we were pretty thin on the surface, you know, when I was doing it. No, pretty pretty much in all of it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Um, and yet I remember a couple of years ago they did a screening of my play, The, the Protesters. Um, I think it was a tribute to... Um, to Meditambita. Oh, yes. And yes. because she was in it. And um, I just happened to be there. And, and, and the young people that saw it... Now that play was that you know was produced in 1982, and the young ones there, you know, they couldn't get over it. They said, well, "What's happened? You know, what's happened in the meantime with um, Maori drama on on television?" And it was it was like they felt that there'd been no progress, you know, since that play was written. I mean, it was, it was a pretty hard hitting play, you know, with it based around the um, well, loosely based around the, 
the protest movement at Bastion Point. So, yeah, that, that was all I was surprised, you know, when, when, when they, well, they were surprised when they saw it. And they, you know, I just heard remarks saying, gee, what's happened to you? Maori television or Maori drama. So it's softer then. in a sense. It's not That's so That's the impression I, I got, yeah, yeah, that they felt mm. that uh, what, what was on, on television wasn't, wasn't hard-hitting enough, you know, pretty. Do you put it down to the times, how society has changed and that maybe the stories or the experiences of our playwrights today are different than to when you were writing plays or is it... Well, of course, you, um, you know, you had once for warriors since then and, you, you know, nothing more hard harder during that. But that, yeah, that was on film, of course. When you look upon your career, what are some of the, 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 the key milestones, people that um, influenced you along the way, um, best piece of advice that you got? Oh, I, I've had a huge um, uh, reading. Uh, you know, some of the American writers, early American writers, mm. they're all dead now, you know, like, like Hemingway and Steinbeck and Faulkner. And the Russian writers, the Tolstoy and Chekhov and Dostoevsky. There, you know, I, I try to read. Uh, I have, I, I had no education in terms, you know, unlike now where you can you can go to university and, and get a degree in literature. There was no such thing. My time, I, I just read the classics, the, and I try to learn what was good writing from reading what was considered the classics. What's one book that you would recommend everybody read? Well, one of the books. Um, the first book that impressed me was D.H. Lawrence's Sons and Lovers because it was set in a, in a coal mine settlement which, coming from a timber settlement, I could identify, even though it was set in England, I could identify with the, with the people and the attitudes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sons and Lovers and then... Um, Another book that, that bowled me over was Hemingway's um, For Whom the Bells Told. For Whom the Bells Told. And, and of course, War and Peace, but I mean, you know, you could have a brainstorm trying to, trying to read that one right through. Mm -hmm. Anna, Anna, Anna Karenina. So you must have a, a huge. I've read, I've read, I've had to read. I was, I was, I was um, learning as I went along. <laughs> when I first started writing out, when I first started writing, I would find, um, as I was saying, I'm trying to write my autobiographical um, novel. Which has and been I found sitting that there. I would be reading, um, say, Lawrence, D.H. Lawrence. And then uh, when I started writing the chapter, my next chapter, it would be very D.H. Lawrence, you know, with the flowery language. Then I would be reading, say, uh, Emily, Dickens, uh, Emily um, Bronte's. Wuthering Heights, and then I find that the language and whoever I was reading, then I'd be reading um, Hemingway, you know, so it'd be all curt, short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Every chapter, every chapter was like the last, <laughs> I was like the last writer I was reading. Yeah. And, and I didn't have my own voice, you see. I didn't, yeah. And it took me, oh, it must have, must have taken me about 10 years to struggle and realise, look, I've got a limited vocabulary, but the best thing to do is to what what vocabulary you got, you know, to pick the strongest words yes. for whatever fitted, and, and and that's been pretty much how I've written since.
Yeah. Mm. So yeah, look, look within your vocabulary, and but but you know whether it's a poem or, or prose, where, where does where does this food come out the strongest? Yeah. Do you find your voice? Yeah. 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 And and that's the hardest part, I think, for most writers starting out. Yeah, some might have it straight away, and uh, but I didn't. As I say, I didn't read. You see, because there was no books in the hand, that many books. A lot of middle class parties had a, they had about ten years advantage on me and my, my contemporaries because probably there were plenty of books in the house and they read and, and you know when they were kids. So I um, I had to learn once I got the writer's bug. I, I had to learn my trade on the job, as it were, you know, while I was writing, yeah, mm-hmm. trial and error. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. You know, I've just been fortunate that I've lived, lived long, longer than most, you know, and, and still able to apply my craft. You've got to yeah. finish that novel. Well, I, you know, fate, destiny um, went against me. I started out late, but then it, it's given me time. Oh, the novel's written, but I would never publish it. No, no. No, it was too... Too... Too, too with, a, with the whānau, yeah. Oh, yeah. just with your... Fa- right, OK. Kia ora. Kia ora, Rory. Mm, kia ora. Nō tūwhare toa Māori writer Rowley Habib. Katahi te pai o tana mahi, nāna i para te huarahi matātou katoa. Rowley has paved the road for many Māori writers, playwrights and poets. He mihi mai oha kia koe.